to Mariners Cast, presented to you by Sports Ethos, your place for worldwide sports coverage. I'm your host, Tino Ganasius. You can find me on Twitter at TinoJr20 and the podcast at Ethos Mariners. It is Monday, November 6th. This is Mariners Cast number 105. Major League Baseball is open for free agent signings today at I believe two o'clock Pacific. Uh, it is a big day for all of those following the Mariners offseason, for all of those stressed out and worried about what the Mariners are going to do this offseason. Um, I am one of them. It's a big day, uh, not quite uh, the holidays, but uh, certainly a big day in the offseason for any Mariners fan. On today's episode, I will cover pitching. We're going to talk about the state of the Mariners pitching staff, starting pitching staff specifically. Uh, we'll talk about what they have or don't have in the minor leagues. Uh, we'll cover a couple of the free agent starters that are available and under what scenarios uh, signing a free agent starter would make sense for the Mariners, who, in my opinion, have the deepest major league starting staff in baseball. So let's get started. Uh, everybody knows Mariners, uh, rotation leads off with Luis Castillo. Castillo is 31 years old. Uh, he signed a contract with the Mariners that is through 2027 at an annual average annual value of $21.6 million. He does have a vesting option for 2028 if he throws 180 innings in 2027. Uh, Castillo has been everything that the Mariners could have wanted from him. He led the team in innings at 197. He struck out 219 batters, 3.34 ERA from Luis Castillo, a 1.10 whip. Uh, these rate stats were actually probably the highest at the end of the season as they were than they were for the majority of the season. Um, I think he performed slightly better than his rate stats read. 7% walk rate, 27.3% K rate. Castillo was a borderline Cy Young candidate and a horse for the Mariners. Uh, Mariners are lucky to have him signed through 2027. Um, you set him and forget him as your number one starter. Number two, uh, I have both Logan Gilbert and George Kirby. Gilbert is 26. Kirby is 25. Gilbert gave the Mariners 190.2 innings last season. He did so with 189 strikeouts, so basically a strikeout per inning for Logan Gilbert. Uh, 1.08 whip, 3.73 ERA. His ERA has historically been slightly higher than that of Kirby and Castillo, but you're talking about close to 200 innings from Logan Gilbert uh, with a sub-4 ERA and a sub-1-1 whip. Uh, it's incredibly valuable. Logan Gilbert is arbitration eligible in 2025, a free agent in 2028. George Kirby, 25 years old, 190 and two-thirds innings, same exact same number of innings from Kirby as you got from Gilbert. Kirby struck out 172 batters. We all know his pinpoint control, 2.5% uh, walk rate. 3.35 ERA, 1.04 whip. Uh, George Kirby, 
had a fantastic season. He is arbitration eligible in 2026 and a free agent in 29. These are all, so I should say, I'm reading these numbers because kind of leading to my initial thesis or point about the starting pitching staff for the Seattle Mariners. You're talking about pitchers who are not, who are either heading into their peak or at their peak, who are giving you close to 200 innings. And I think you can expect it consistently from these guys provided health. None of them have uh, deliveries that scream injury. None of them throw at max uh, velocity all the time. And if you start your team, the base of your team, the strength of your team is three starters giving you between 180 and 200 innings at a low to mid threes ERA, you're at a better starting point than darn near any team in baseball. And I think this is worth worth keeping in the back of your mind that Mariners fans, uh, the Mariners organization are very lucky, privileged, uh, smart to have built the organization in this manner. Uh, so those three at the top of your rotation, you have all of them under team control until at minimum 2027, potentially 2028. I think that's huge. Next, we're going to cover... Bryce Miller and Brian Wu. Miller is 25. Wu is 24. They were your number four and five starters last season. Bryce Miller, through 20, 25 games started, 131 in the third innings. He had a 22.2% strike uh, strikeout rate, 4.32 ERA, but a 3.98 FIP. Bryce Miller struck out 119 batters in 131 in the third innings. Uh, Bryce Miller had a 1.14 whip, again, in a 4.32 ERA. This was a pitcher who was developing on the fly, right? We saw him go from extremely heavy four-seam fastball to incorporating a two-seamer to jam right-handers. We saw him play around with a sweeper and a gyro slider. Uh, definitely a pitcher who wasn't a finished product but still was able to give the Mariners 130 plus innings around with around a four ERA. Uh, I don't, I have to dig more into Miller this off season to really examine what I think his upside might be. Uh, I think he was lacking, you know, he, although his four seamer is, has elite spin. He was really lacking that, uh, that put away breaking pitch this season that I think could help really help him elevate his game and dominate. Uh, I do expect to see him come back with a more uh, defined pitch mix and uh, arsenal next season. But for this season, the fact that you were able to bring him up and get 130 plus quality innings was a huge boost to this Mariners team. Uh, when, you know, going into the season, you had Robbie Ray and Marco Gonzalez penciled in to those roles and anything from Miller would have been kind of extra. Brian Wu, 18 games started, 87 and two-thirds innings. Wu struck out 25.1% of the batters he faced. That is number two as far as strikeout percentage amongst the starting rotation. 
8.4% walk rate, a little higher than most others. Uh, Wu finished with a 4.21 ERA. Uh, Brian Wu struck out 93 batters in 87 and two-thirds innings. He ended with a 1.21 whip. Brian Wu was a different pitcher than Bryce Miller. Um, they both throw in the mid-90s. They both incorporated, well, Miller a two-seamer, Wu a sinker, true sinker, uh, as the year went on. Uh, we can talk later on this offseason about who has the higher upside between Wu and Miller. But the Mariners have in Wu and Miller two very strong, um, very competent middle-of-the-rotation starters and I think are very lucky to have that kind of youth at the back of their rotation. Obviously, everybody knows Robbie Ray was injured. I expect Robbie Ray to come back to uh, the, the rotation or work his way towards the rotation by midseason 2024. He is signed through 26. He has a, uh, signed a five-year deal worth $115 million, $23 million a, uh, annual average, average annual value. Uh, there is a, what I believe, a player opt-out in 24. I'm going to assume he is going to uh, not opt-out and take the money. At that wage, you would expect the Mariners to probably, I'm guessing, try to go, you know, provided health for the top five, try to go to a six-man at some point in time to reintroduce Ray to the rotation in the second half of 2024. But I'm going to kind of put him on the back burner. You're kind of stuck with him at that value. Um, at his peak, he was a low threes, low threes ERA, high strikeout left-handed starter. He obviously won a Cy Young Award with the Blue Jays. But he uh, had a lot of luck that season, specifically with his uh, left on base percentage. And I think is a true low to mid threes ERA, provided he comes back at 100%. Marco Gonzalez. This is the last year of his four-year contract, $7.5 million uh, average annual value. The club does have an option for 2025. Gonzalez is 31 years old at his best. I think he is a low to mid fours ERA pitcher, a uh, bit of a junk baller at this point in time. He never really threw that hard. If Gonzalez is willing to remain within the organization and be uh, kind of backup or break glass in case of emergency type of starting pitcher, maybe pitching a long roll out of the bullpen. I think that's a positive for the Mariners. I don't know if he's willing to do that, if he would ask for a trade or want to be dealt elsewhere. But Gonzalez is, you know, the fact that he was not healthy last year makes him very difficult to trade. I'm very interested to see what role the Mariners envision for him and whether he is on the roster heading into the 2024 season. So that is the top seven. Those are all major league starting pitchers, Castillo, Gilbert, Kirby, Miller, Wu, Gonzalez, and Ray. Uh, of the top five, Castillo is the only one above 26 years old at 31 years old. So you've got this core four moving forward who are just starting to approach their peak. In the minor leagues, the only two who are even remotely close to ready would be 20 are both 24 years old, Emerson Hancock and Taylor Dollard. Dollard dealt with an injury this season. Uh, even at peak health, Dollard is probably a number five at best. I don't believe he's on the radar of the Mariners to be a part of the rotation. Hancock is interesting. Former number six pick overall 
in the 2020 draft. Uh, we saw him for a quick second uh, until he got hurt in the major leagues this season. I think Hancock has talent. I don't believe he is as talented as Wooer Miller, but he is worth something on the trade market provided health. Uh, he is a good one to have in the minor leagues because he is the only major league ready starter the Mariners have in the minor leagues, in my opinion, at this point in time. Other names to watch for uh, this season uh, developing in the minor leagues, Michael Morales, a right-handed 21-year-old Walter Ford, 19 years old. The Mariners drafted him two years ago out of high school. Teddy McGraw, who uh, pitched for Wake Forest last season or was supposed to until he got hurt, was supposed to be their top starter and dropped, I believe, to the third or fourth round in this year's draft only because of his injury. Uh, very high upside, also very big injury risk. And then Jeter Martinez, an international free agent signing who pitched very well uh, last season, 17 years old. So there are free agents available, right? This is a pretty strong free agent pitching class. You have... Uh, Yoshinobu Yamamoto out of Japan, 5'10", right-handed starting pitcher, 25 years old. I think Yamamoto is looking at close to $25 to $30 million a year. I know that sounds insane for a 5'10 pitcher who hasn't pitched in the major leagues yet, but he's been dominant in Japan and teams are pitching starved. I've seen the Mets and the Yankees listed as probably the most likely uh, destinations for Yamamoto. He's going to be fun to watch. Aaron Nola is a free agent, right-handed starting pitcher for the Phillies. Uh, his expected number per year is about $25 million as well. Nola's been a, a uh, kind of bottom Cy Young Award candidate in uh, the National League. He historically pitches, be or pitches worse than his numbers suggest he should. Aaron Nola is pretty dominant and I think flies under the radar a bit. Uh, my belief is he'll resign in Philadelphia. Blake Snell, local kid, uh, won the Cy Young in the American and now the National League in all likelihood. Uh, Left-handed, we all know he strikes out a ton, walks a ton. The walks are more a product of him nibbling in his style of pitching than it is a lack of command and control. Uh, Snell is one that I would consider if I was the Mariners. Uh, if you were to, but we'll get into that scenario in a minute. You've got Sonny Gray, Jordan Montgomery, Alex Cobb, actually club option was picked up. Marcus Stroman, Julio Urias, who's been in legal trouble. Names like Kyle Gibson, Martin Perez, Michael Waka, Eduardo Rodriguez. So there's some quality starting pitching out there on the market, no doubt. But this is not the direction that the Mariners should go, in my opinion. The Mariners' top seven are good. You know, whether you like Robbie Ray or Marco Gonzalez, they're still effective major league pitchers, especially if your expectation of Ray is not to be a number one, but it's more to be like a number three or a number four. He's very strong if he comes back from his uh, sur surgery effectively. Again, I expect him back midseason. I don't think he'll be full strength. I don't think you see full strength Robbie Ray until 2025. Gonzalez is borderline viable for me. Uh, I don't. If you head into 2024 with Marco Gonzalez as a part of your pit, of your starting rotation, I don't think that's a good sign for the Mariners. And then, as I said, there's not really any short-term help from the minor leagues outside of Emerson Hancock. The Mariners need to have a big 
pitching draft in 2024. Um, the, the organization is not deep in pitching. I think when, as Wu and Miller were promoted to the major leagues, that really did take a chunk of that uh, top end depth uh, out of the minor leagues. So again, they need to draft. I expect them to draft very heavily with starting pitching this year. Uh, so this, the one scenario where I could see the Mariners drafting a, or excuse me, the Mariners signing a free agent starting pitcher is if they were to trade one of their young starters for a big bat. It was a scenario I had uh, discussed at the trade deadline, specifically uh, the Cardinals. It was a scenario where, you know, you're looking at a Logan Gilbert, Bryce Miller, or Brian Wu going one way uh, for a, an impact bat. It was something uh, JP Morosi brought up, but the bats he was talking about were like Brandon Donovan types. And I was, I got pretty irate uh, about the idea of trading an arm like that for Brandon Donovan. My comment was, unless it's Jordan Walker you're talking about, that's not a good conversation to have. But that's the type of impact bat, right? A top prospect or a bat that's going to come in and really provide a boost to this lineup, power, um, lacking that swing and miss that we saw out of them all season long. That's the only scenario I can see where you're going to trade one of those those three young starters. If you know you can sign Yamamoto, so the list that I have as acceptable free agent signings as starting pitchers in order to trade a bat would be Yamamoto, Nola, Snell, Jordan Montgomery, and then maybe Marcus Stroman. And then I put Lucas Giolito on the list because he does have effective pitches still. He pitched terribly for the White Sox. I think the White Sox are just a lost organization. And then he went to the Angels and then the Guardians and showed some signs with the Guardians of being the Marcus Giolito of old, but he's only 29 years old and he has an effective changeup and effective slider. Really, it's just his fastball um, location and design and shape that need to be fixed. And that's something that I believe the Mariners could do. Um, but one of Yamamoto, Nola, Snell, Montgomery, Stroman, Giolito would I free you up to trade one of Gilbert, Miller, or Wu in order to trade for a bat. Ultimately, I don't think this is the right move. When I think about how to improve this Mariners team, it's why are you going to give up any assets outside of money to improve this team? Unless it's something smaller, right? Unless you're trading for a Jorge Polanco to play second base and it's a, you know, uh, a minus or a B plus level prospect for him, which is what I think it would take. If you you don't trade from the strength that you have with starting pitching in order to improve the team, if you can use money, keep your pitching and use money to go out and sign a Jorge Soler, as we talked about, right? Go out and sign a Cody Bellinger, as we talked about. It's you're robbing Peter to pay Paul when you trade from pitching for hitting, when you can still acquire hitting with cash. Now, this is operating under the assumption that the Mar that the Mariners and Jerry Depoto are allowed to spend that cash. I think they will be. 
I think that it, it'll be malpractice if he's not allowed to do so. Now, w- whether the player is actually willing to sign with the Mariners, whether Jorge Soler wants to go from Miami to Seattle is a whole nother conversation, right? Jorge Soler is Cuban. He's playing in Miami. And to go all the way across the country, opposite end of the country, to play for a team in cold weather in a stadium that suppresses power, that's a that's a hard sell. I also think that, you know, this is a good time to bring this up, that when talking about free agents and their desire or willingness to play in Seattle and Seattle's willingness to sign them, one thing that's not talked about that it, I don't even think it's an elephant in the room because I don't think people realize it. Culturally speaking, a Cuban player choosing between New York, Miami, or Seattle, there is a higher likelihood they're going to choose to go to the place where people look like them, right? Where people speak like them, where they can go out and eat food that they grew up with. And Seattleites don't like to admit that this is the case, but Seattle's a pretty white town. And it's hard to that, that that cultural connection is a hard one to make. It's not to say that players can't make that connection, right? Felix enjoys, you know, Felix Hernandez enjoyed the beauty of Seattle and was a private guy in a lot of ways, but clubbed a lot and then had his family in Mercer Island and has a nice life, right? We've seen Julio. It really engaged the town. But those guys are are exceptional. Julio would have done that in Timbuktu. That's just who Julio Rodriguez is. But there are a lot of players who aren't that way. I read a book, I'm sorry I forgot the name, about soccer teams. And specifically in Spain, these teams in, I believe it was in the 80s and 90s, would sign players out of Africa and get frustrated because they would sign them to big contracts and then the player didn't play well. And after, you know, research and thinking about it, they realized that there was no, nobody to welcome them that was familiar. There, the schools, the stores, the smells, the food, the community, there was nothing. They were literally on Mars and there was nobody to help them find what it was that they could connect with. Right. And so these teams started to hire people to help them adjust to their new city. Right. Here's where you can go find Cuban food. Here's where the Cuban community primarily lives. Right. Here's a couple of Cuban leaders within our our city that I think you could connect with to feel a little bit more um, like this is home. And. That's something that, you know, I don't think people like to talk about. It's something that I don't think uh, people want to acknowledge that a town is not, I guess, culturally Welcoming is not the right word, but, you know, connected or or has the, the cultural base to make a player feel welcome. Now, you can overwhelm a player with money, and I think that's part of why you see the Mariners attempt to do that, at least historically, is, you know, they brought Richie Sexton and Adrian Beltre to town and gave them a ton of money. Robinson Cano, same thing. That's just where you're blow, blowing the competition out to the point where they don't have a choice but to say yes. You don't want your team to have to do that. But that is a situation that the Mariners at times, I think, can be in. So just 
something to think about when when you know you talk about like say I want to trade for Juan Soto and then sign Juan Soto to an enormous contract. Do the Mariners have the money to sign Juan Soto? Probably. Does Juan Soto want to sign in Seattle? He played in Washington, right? Washington, D.C. for the Nationals. And then he plays in San Diego, and a lot of people are saying he wants to go back east where there are more people like him. That's not why he necessarily wants to go back east, but when he says he wants to go play back east, you've got to ask the question as to why. Because right now he's in sunny, beautiful San Diego. I think there are there is so much more to signing a free agent than people are willing to acknowledge. The player has to want to sign there as well. It's not just DePoto and the Mariners front office, front office's fault if the Mariners are unable to sign players. It is also the player has agency in this. The player gets to decide where they want to be. And if they don't like your town or they don't see themselves in your town or they don't see faces like themselves in your town, it's it's a hard sell. So, again, getting back to what I was talking about with starting pitching, I think any of Yamamoto, Nola, Snell, Montgomery would make the Mariners rotation better a lot better. You'd be paying a lot more money to have that player versus the one you trade away. But if it allows you to get the bat, I do think it's something you have to consider. It's not the route that I would want to take. That might be the route that they have to take if they're unable to sign the bats that they're looking for. I do want to address as well, you know, fans have been hypercritical of this front office. And the Mariners' offense was 12th in runs scored last season per game. So top half. And I think when you look at the players and how well they performed, especially relative to your expectations of that player or that player's true talent, the Mariners' offense has a tremendous room to has tremendous room to grow. If I just go down the lineup right now. I think Crawford, J.P. Crawford, you expect probably 90, 90 to 95% of what he did offensively last season. Julio, you expect to take another step up or be the same as last year, which is an MVP candidate. Cal Raleigh has proven that he's a pretty consistent, low average, 25 to 30 home run hitter. Eugenio Suarez was, you know, low 20s home runs, low average. I think there is room for him to hit a few more home runs next season. Jarek Helnick. I think last season is his floor and has the potential to be very, very good. So he has room to grow. Ty France, we've talked about, is going to drive line. I think Ty France is a lot better player than what he showed last season and has the pride to show that he's better than he was. He he was better in 21 and 22. Josh Rojas is kind of what he is. I don't know if he has a tremendous amount of room to grow. But of that list, you have Kelnick. You have France. You have Julio, and you have Suarez to a certain extent, all of whom you expect to be better next year. So this is an offense that ranked 12th in runs scored last season who is going to get better. This offense is going to get better. Do they need to sign somebody? Absolutely. Absolutely. You need to add at least a couple bats. We've talked about that already. But it's not as bad as people want to think. And then when you combine that, I bring that up on starting pitching episode, because when you combine that with this this group of starting pitchers 
Logan Gilbert is 26 years old. He's cost controlled until 2027. Right? Excuse me. Yeah, 2000 through through 2027. He's he's cost controlled. And he's giving consistently giving you 180 innings and a sub 4 ERA with room to get better. George Kirby is 25 years old. Cost controlled through 2028. He is, he has Cy Young ability and he's giving you 180 innings and a low threes ERA. You've got Castillo signed through 27. You know what Luis Castillo is. He's a low, high twos, low threes ERA, throwing, giving you 180 to 200 innings. Bryce Miller and Brian Wu, what do you need out of them? You really need them to be. Even 150 innings, 160 innings at a mid-threes ERA is is more than acceptable. And you have them through 2029. So if you just sat on the rotation that you had and kept some guys in case of injury behind them, you have a top three rotation in baseball. As long as they pitch, you know, kind of to what their, their average talent might be. They don't even have to be above their talent line. They just have to pitch as they are, be who they are, be who they were last season. And you've got a top three rotation in baseball. So you combine that with an offense that has upside. And I think you are already in a really great spot. I give the Mariners starting rotation as a whole an A minus. I think that Castillo, there were times where you know, he battled through to throw six innings, but there were times where he lost, I think, some focus and could have been better. I think Logan Gilbert, you know, continues to tinker and his splitter was a very good pitch last season, but he's he has a little room to grow. George Kirby, there were a couple of implosions towards the end of the year. I love the incorporation of how much he threw his two-seamer and the incorporation of the splitter. I expect Kirby to get to get a lot better. And then Wu and Miller were just works in progress, right? Throwing completely different pitches in the major leagues than they did ever in the minor leagues, like the two-seamer, like the sinker. Um, so there's room to grow. So basically what I'm saying is this Mariners rotation is the strength of their team. There's depth down to seven pitchers once Robbie Ray comes back. You've got Emerson Hancock on the way. And you need to supplement these guys with uh, with a very productive 2024 draft with regards to starting pitching. But this team is a machine. This is a strength of the team. Again, my first choice would not be to trade one of Gilbert, Miller, or Wu for a bat. I think you spend money so that you're not subtracting from anything on the team. You spend money on a bat. Maybe you make a couple of minor trades that don't impact the major league team. But as much as I love Yamamoto, Nola, Snell, Montgomery, I think that they get they will get to be too expensive. And I would want to know what the bat is that's coming back. I would rather see them get Soler, Luis Renjifo, uh, Jorge Polanco, and add those players to the team. I will say the one scenario where I could see the Mariners signing a starting pitcher is if Blake Snell 
who's from the Seattle area is if he's hell bent on coming back to Seattle and pitching for the Mariners as good as he's been, as good as he was last season, I think you have to listen. I think you have to consider um, what moves can the Mariners make to fit him into the rotation. You're talking about 180 innings at a 2.25 ERA in San Diego worth 4.1 fan graphs war. So that's basically adding like a Luis Castillo to your rotation better than Castillo. Kirby led the Mariners in war at 4.4 and then Castillo at 3.4, but you're adding a Castillo Kirby type by bringing back, by, by bringing in Blake Snell. He's a weird pitcher. He walks a ton of guys. As I said, it's pretty intentional. He wants to nibble. Um, he doesn't ever want to give in and throw a strike down the middle, and it's been effective for him, obviously, with the 2-2-5 ERA. He won the Cy Young in Tampa in 18. He went 21-5 and with a very similar season. This season, he struck out 234 hitters in 180 innings. You just You don't say no to a pitcher like that if they want to come. And if they want to, you know, if he wants to sign with Seattle and the contract that he's asking for isn't egregious, or if it's the type of contract that actually is, is a deal for the Mariners, provided what he can what he can do on the mound, you listen, right? If it's Snell and it's a decent contract and gives you the opportunity to trade away a Wu or a Miller, I think I don't think I would touch Kirby at this point either. Then you're talking about Castillo, Gilbert, Kirby, Snell as your top four. Was insane, insane. And you can bring in a very good bat for one of those other guys. So that is the one scenario that I would consider. It wouldn't be my first choice necessarily, but it is something that I think would be fun. It would be cool. The Mariners would by far have the best pitching staff in baseball. Um, and I think it is something that they're considering, uh, in part because Blake Snell is from Seattle. It would be an incredible story. I don't think you spend money because of that, but I think it would go a long ways with the fans. So, again, starting pitching is a huge strength for this team. Uh, they need more depth. They need to draft well this season. Uh, I think their first choice is to use money to acquire a bat. But if they can't do it with money, they're going to have to look to do it with pitching. This was today's Mariners cast, Mariners cast number 105. Today at 2 o'clock is the first moment that teams can sign free agents. I am super excited for that. I'm super excited to hear whether the Mariners offer Teo Oscar Hernandez the QO or not. Uh, it's a fun day for baseball fans. Enjoy your Monday. Thank you again for listening to the Mariners cast. We are presented by Sports Ethos. You can find me on Twitter at TinoJr20, that's T-I-N-O-J-R-2-0, and the podcast at Ethos Mariners. Take care, y'all. Enjoy the day.